بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما Earlier on in this series on the life of Umar ibn al-Khattab we spoke about the conquests of the eastern lands that took place during the reign of Umar ibn al-Khattab we spoke about the conquest of the Persian Empire which was the largest empire in the world at that time and we spoke about the ver various battles and conquests of the Persian Empire battle by battle, piece by piece we spoke about the conquest of Iraq we spoke about the conquest of Qadisiyah we spoke about the conquest of Madain and the fall of the Kisra. We spoke about the conquest of Jalula, the conquest of Nahawand, and then eastward all the way to Khurasan and Afghanistan and other lands. So we spoke about that in detail in earlier lessons. And all of this, of course, happened during the reign of Umar ibn al-Khattab. There was a vast expansion of Muslim lands during his time. Now inshallah, we want to go into some detail regarding the other arm of the conquest of Umar that was going on simultaneously while the conquest of Persia was going on. Also at the same time, the conquest of Asham was going on. And when we say Asham, it refers to the greater Syria area that includes Syria, Lebanon, Jordan, Philistine, all of these lands are included in Asham, so the greater Syria area. So the conquest of those lands was also taking place simultaneously while the conquest of, of, of Persia was taking place. So we spoke about the conquest of Persia. Now, inshallah, we're going to talk a little bit about the conquest of Asham. Now, the conquest of Asham, it actually started during the Khilafah of Abu Bakr, but it picked up during the time of Umar earlier when we spoke about the life of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq we spoke about the victory of the Muslims in the battle of Yarmouk and that took place during the Khilaf of Abu Bakr and Yarmouk is in Sham by the border of modern-day Jordan and Syria and it's less than a hundred miles south of Damascus so during the time of Abu Bakr there was this huge battle, the battle of Yarmouk and the Muslims, alhamdulillah, they were victorious in that battle. So Sham, the greater Syria area, it was under the umbrella of the Byzantine Roman Empire. Right? And this was a huge, powerful empire during that time. So when the disbelievers were defeated at Yarmouk, when the Muslims were victorious in Yarmouk, this is something that deeply disturbed and upset the emperor of the Byzantine Empire. The emperor Hirakal, who was based in Constantinople. He was very upset when he heard about the Muslim victory in Yarmouk. And he sent an army of Byzantine soldiers from Constantinople to Damascus. Constantinople, that's the capital of the Byzantine Empire. That's the power seat 
of the Byzantine Empire, where the Hiraqal is based himself. So he sends an army from Constantinople to Damascus in order to face the Muslims who have now started entering Asham. All right. So now there's an issue here. Now there are two enemy armies to the Muslims. There is the army that Hiraqal has sent from Constantinople to Damascus. And there is also the surviving soldiers from the Battle of Yarmouk. So the, the Christians, they were defeated in the Battle of, of Yarmouk. But it was a huge army. And many of them survived and retreated. So they lost and then they retreated. And they retreated to a place called Fihl. And that's also not very far away from Yarmouk. Right? So now the defeated soldiers, the surviving defeated soldiers of Yarmouk, they're stationed in Fihl. And the army that Hiraqal has sent from Constantinople, they are stationed in Damascus. So there are two enemy armies now. And there's one Muslim army here in Sham. So now what are they supposed to do? Should, they, should the Muslim army split into two? And one faction go to Fihl and fight those soldiers there, and another faction go to Damascus and, and fight the soldiers there. Should they do that? Or should they stay as one army and then fight each one of these enemy armies one by one? Should they fight Fihl separately and Damascus separately? And if they choose to fight each war separately, which one should they start with? Should they start with the soldiers who are in Fihl? Or should they start with the soldiers who are in Damascus? So, you know, there's an issue here. What to do? So what did they decide to do? They decided to consult the Khalifa. Now, by this time, Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anh had passed away. And Umar radiallahu anh had become Amirul Mu'mini. So now Umar radiallahu anh is in charge. So they have to ask him what to do in this situation. So Abu Ubaidah, who was the, who was the, the head of the army in Sham, he sent a message to Umar ibn al-Khattab appraising him of this situation and asking what should we do here? This is the situation, what should we do? And they wouldn't make any move before getting the command and permission from Amir al-Mu'mineen, from Umar ibn al-Khattab So Umar he consulted his, his men. He talked about the options and he made a decision. He commanded Abu Ubaidah to send some soldiers, to send a number of soldiers to Fihl where the defeated soldiers from Yarmouk were stationed. Send some soldiers over there, over there to keep them busy. To keep them busy. But then you, Ya Aba Ubaidah, and the majority of the army, you go to Damascus. And the reason why he wanted to send some soldiers to Fihl to keep them busy, because he didn't want the soldiers of Fihl and the soldiers of Damascus to unite, to come together, to consolidate. That would make things harder. So we need to, you know, distract the enemies at Fihl so that the main part of the Muslim army, the majority of the Muslim army can face the situation in Damascus. So this is what he decided. Send some soldiers to Fihl and you, Ya, Abu, ya Aba Ubaidah, and the majority of the army, you go to uh, Damascus. So this was the command that was made. And Umar radiallahu anh, he said that Damascus, Damascus is the fortress of Sham. Damascus is like, you know, the main important city to conquer in Asham, in the greater Syria area. It is the seat of power in Sham. So if you conquer Damascus, if we're able to conquer Damascus, then the rest of Asham, it will fall to us very easily. 
So Sham, Damascus specifically is very important. It's like the key to conquering the rest of Asham. So Umar radiallahu anh made sure that Abu, Abu Ubaidah understood this, the importance of Damascus. This is really important to get this city. Umar radiallahu anh, he had a very deep and profound understanding of geopolitics. Right? And he based his, his decisions based upon this understanding that he had. Now at the same time, so he sends some soldiers to Fihil, the majority of the army he sends to Damascus. He also sends some soldiers, he orders Abu Ubaidah to send some soldiers to station themselves between Hims and Damascus. Hims is north of Damascus. So he wants to, so, to, to station some soldiers between Damascus and Hims so that no support for the Byzantine army in Damascus can come from the north. And then he also orders Abu Ubaidah station some soldiers between Philistine and Damascus in the south, you know, to block any support that may come to the Byzantines from the south to Damascus. So basically he wants to block all avenues for support. Yes, there are a lot of soldiers that Hiraqal has already sent to Damascus. We don't want any more being added to them. We don't want them to get any more help. So he basically ordered for soldiers to be stationed in, in these directions in order to prevent more soldiers coming to support those soldiers in, those Byzantine soldiers in Damascus. So th this shows, you know, the, the military thinking of Umar ibn Khattab and he was able to, to analyze this situation and, and make his commands based upon that. So when he did this, when he made this command, Abu Ubaidah of course following the command of Amir al-Muminin Umar ibn al-Khattab, he makes his move. He moves with the majority of the army to Damascus. He stations all those soldiers wherever Umar told him to and then he heads with the majority of the army northward from Yarmouk he goes north to Damascus. Now, alhamdulillah, all of these regiments were able to do their duties. The regiment that was sent to Fihl was able to keep them distracted so that they couldn't join the soldiers in Damascus. The regiment that was stationed between Hims and Damascus, they were able to block any support coming from the north. The regiment stationed between Philistine and Damascus, they were, to, they were able to block off any support coming from the south. So Alhamdulillah, all of these, these factions of the army were able to fulfill their missions. So now when Abu Ubaidah and, and the majority of the army, when they reached Damascus, when they reached Damascus, the Byzantine soldiers had actually locked themselves behind the walls of Damascus. Damascus was a very heavily fortified city. It has like a fortress that had, had like walls around it. And you have to go through those walls in order to get into the city. So the Byzantine soldiers had actually locked themselves behind those walls. Even though the Byzantine army was huge compared to the Muslim army, the Byzantine army that Heracl sent from Constantinople to Damascus, it consisted of about 100,000 soldiers. Whereas the Muslim army was only about 30,000 soldiers, right? So even though the Byzantines greatly outnumbered the Muslims, they were still scared of the Muslims. They didn't want to face them. They locked themselves behind the fortresses of the city. So they were in the city of Damascus, but the Muslims could not get in because they were blocked off with these walls and with these fortresses. So the siege of Damascus began. Now, the Muslims are on the outside trying to find a way to penetrate and go inside. So they siege the city. 
Now, Abu Ubaidah, what he decided to do is to divide this army now in Damascus, divide it into two parts. One part of the army will stay on the north side of Damascus. So there's a wall on the north side of Damascus, and there's also a wall on the south side of Damascus, right? Blocking, you know, both directions. So Abu Ubaidah decides, okay, some of us will station ourselves at the south, and some of us will station ourselves at the north. So he sends a group, a regiment under the command of Khalid ibn al-Walid to the north side of Damascus. Like your job is try to, to penetrate from the north. And Abu Ubaidah himself stayed in the south with his regiment of the army. So basically the army is split in two sides. North in the command of Khalid and south in the command of Abu Ubaidah himself. They want to basically sandwich the enemy from both sides, right? That's the goal. So they began to attack the fortress from the outside with whatever they could. But they were not able to penetrate the fortress. It was, you know, it was very strongly fortified, this wall. So they were not able to get through. And this stalemate, this siege, it lasted for weeks with the Muslims unable to enter through the city. So now Khalid ibn al-Walid, now he's, he's on the north side of Damascus for many weeks trying to figure out a way, what can we do in order to get past these gates, past these walls, right? And Khalid ibn al-Walid radiallahu anhu, of course, he's a military genius, as we know by now, right? From the time of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and during the Khilaf of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu, Khalid again proved time and time again that, that he was one of the greatest military geniuses of all time. So he had that mind, that military mind. So Khalid is thinking of a way, how can we penetrate this fortress? So one night during the siege, in the night, Khalid radiallahu heard like some sounds on the other side of the wall. He could hear like the Christians on the other side of the wall, the, the, you know, the Byzantines and you know, the Christians of Damascus. He could hear them like they're celebrating something. Like, you know, they're making merry and they're, they're uh, laughing and they're just enjoying themselves and their, their voices are really loud. So he, he understands this is some type of a celebration that's going on here. So he investigates it. He, he wants to figure out what's going on there. And he finds out that the mayor of Damascus, the Christian mayor of Damascus, basically the leader of the city, had a, a baby. So, you know, a big party was arranged for him because he had a new baby. And, you know, these Christians, they were known that when they would party, they would party really hard. They would drink a lot of wine and get drunk, right? So Khalid radiallahu anhu, he knew that this is their weakness, that they're going to be partying, that, that means they're going to be drinking. And he was exactly right. They were drinking and they got drunk and he could tell by the, the sounds that they were making and the way that they were talking and stuff, he could tell that these guys are drunk. So Khalid radiallahu anhu, he saw that this is, our, this is our golden opportunity. When someone is drunk, you know, they're not able to, to, to think what they're doing, they're not able to plan things correctly. They won't be able to defend themselves if they're drunk. You know, so this is, this is our window of opportunity. We cannot let it pass us by. So he knew that he had to think quickly and act quickly. So Khalid radiallahu anhu, what he decided to do, he took with him Qa'qa ibn Amr, one of the members of the army. Qa'qa ibn Amr, also you know, a very heroic, brave soldier of the Muslims. So he took Qa'qa and a few other soldiers and they had ropes with them. From their supplies, they had ropes with them. So they basically made their ropes into lassos, right? You know what a lasso is, right? Like a, 
a rope with like a, you know, a, a loop at the end. So they made lassos out of their ropes and then they threw their ropes you know, onto the top of the wall, onto the top of the fortress, you know, basically to make a rope ladder that they could climb up. So they, 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 they did this with many ropes and they tried to throw them up, but only two ropes actually stuck to the top of the fortress. Only two of them did. So who climbed these two ropes? Khalid ibn Walid, of course, himself, he climbed one of them. And Qa'qa ibn Amr, he climbed the other one. So the two of them, Khalid and Qa'qa, two of the bravest, most heroic soldiers of, of the Muslims, they climbed very discreetly, very quietly, very secretly. And this is in the night. So finally, alhamdulillah, they're able to reach the entrance, the gate of the fortress. If they, can get, if they can open this gate and get onto the other side, they're inside the city now. Right? So Khalid and, uh, and Qa'qa, they reach. And when they reach the door, before opening the door, they say, Allahu Akbar. And the soldiers who were supposed to be guarding that gate, they, they didn't realize what had happened. But when they heard Allahu Akbar, they came rushing. But you know, which soldiers can withstand Khalid ibn Walid and Qa'qa ibn Amr? It's, it, it, it's, it's, it's not possible to withstand these two. So Khalid and Qa'qa, they kill all of those soldiers outside. And then they open the gate from the north side of Damascus. They open the gate and then they call the rest of the army to come in. So now they have come into the city from the north side by force. They have conquered the north side by force. They come in, they start fighting the people, they start killing the people inside, the soldiers, and they have conquered the north side of the city by force. Now, the mayor of Damascus realizes what's going on. That, oh no, they have come in. And now we're not going to be able to withstand them. Now they're going to conquer the city. And if they conquer the city by force, they're going to take over all of our lands, all of our property, everything. So the mayor of Damascus, he quickly sends a messenger to the south side of Damascus, to Abu Ubaidah, to the leader on the other side. When this message says, we want to make a peace treaty with you. So even though the north side has already been conquered now by force, the mayor, he sends a messenger to the south side, asking the leader on the south side, the leader of the Muslims on the south side, Abu Ubaidah, that you know, we want to surrender peacefully and we want to make a peace treaty with you. So that message reaches Abu Ubaidah in the south. Now Abu Ubaidah, he has no idea what has happened in the north. He doesn't know what Khalid did, how they penetrated the fortress. He has no idea what has happened here. Khalid didn't have enough time to inform Abu Ubaidah what was going on. This plan was made very quickly. He saw an opportunity, he saw a window of opportunity that they're drunk, we need to act now. We don't have time to send a message to Abu Ubaidah and you know, consult him about what's going on. If we lose this chance, if we lose these few minutes, then we're going to lose our window. So he acted you know, quickly without you know, consulting Abu Ubaidah. So Abu Ubaidah doesn't know what has, gone, what has happened in the north. He doesn't know that Khalid has actually entered the city already. So when this message comes to him from the mayor of Damascus saying we want to surrender peacefully, by now, this siege has lasted 70 days, more than two months. So Abu Ubaidah, he says, okay, they want to make peace with us. They want to surrender peacefully. We accept it. So he accepted that. And then they opened the south gate of Damascus. And Abu Ubaidah and his army entered peacefully from the south side. Khalid and his army, his part of the army, entered forcefully from the north. And Abu Ubaidah and his army, now they enter peacefully from the south. And they meet in the middle. And now Abu Ubaidah realize, realizes what has happened. That Khalid has already come in the north side of the city with force. And we have agreed to a peace treaty from the south. 
So now this is a very unusual situation. The rules are different. If you conquer a place by force, the rules are different than when you conquer a, a, a place by peace. When you conquer a place by force, then you know you own everything that you have conquered. You take over all of the lands, you take over all of the wealth of the people, you take all, over all of the property, they have nothing. They lose all of their rights if you take a place by force. But if they surrender and you take the place with a peace treaty, then, you know, they get to keep their properties, you know, they get to, they get to uh, you know, make an agreement with what they're going to keep and, you know, what rules they're going to follow and they pay the jizya and they live peacefully and they get to stay and keep their properties. So it's totally different rules if you conquer a place by force and you conquer a place by peace. Now, what has happened here in Damascus is that it has been conquered simultaneously by force from one side and by peace on the other side. So what rules are you going to implement in the city now? The rules of force or the rules of peace? Another issue that has come up that they, they, you know, they need to consult Umar ibn Khattab an, regarding this issue. So they send a message to Umar ibn Khattab an, and they ask him, they appraise him of the situation and they ask him what should we do? So Umar radiallahu an, he commanded that this victory should be tr treated as a victory of peace. The whole victory should be treated as a victory of peace, not as a victory of force. So the, and this, these rules apply to the whole Damascus, including the north side that was conquered by Khalid and also the south side that was conquered peacefully by Abu Ubaidah. The rules that we're going to implement are the rules of peace. We're going to agree to a peace treaty with them and we're not going to take over all of their lands and their properties. Rather, we're going to let them live in peace according to the rules that we make in the peace treaty. So this shows the mercy of Umar ibn Khattab Umar even though he was very tough and firm, he was also very merciful at the same time. So this shows the mercy of Umar ibn Khattab and it also shows his desire for the non-Muslims. He wanted these Christians he wanted these Byzantines to see the dealings of the Muslims, how the Muslims are going to deal with their enemies, even when the Muslims have the upper hand. We're still going to deal with you with mercy. He wanted them to see that, so perhaps, inshallah, by seeing this, they would see the beauty of Islam and enter Islam. So Umar radiallahu anhu was always thinking of the big picture here. And this is how Damascus was conquered. And this was a great and very important victory. Very important victory that set the stage for the conquest of the rest of Asham. So after Damascus was conquered, Abu Ubaidah, he appointed Yazid ibn Abi Sufyan in charge of the city of Damascus. And Yazid ibn Abi Sufyan, he took control of Damascus and he continued with the conquest of more cities in Asham. He went west of Damascus to the coast of the Mediterranean Sea in what is modern-day Lebanon by the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and under him the cities of Jubail and Usaida and Beirut were conquered. And as for Abu Ubaidah, after the victory at Damascus, now he went to Fihl. Remember Fihl? That is where the soldiers that were defeated in Yarmouk, those surviving soldiers who were defeated in, in Yarmouk, that is where they gathered in Fihl. So now that Abu Ubaidah has taken care of business in Damascus, now he goes to take care of business in Fihl. And inshallah, we will speak about the battle of Fihl next week. Bi'idhnillah. Barakallahu feekum. Wallahu alam. Wa sallallahu wa sallam. Wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.